anyway, welcome to Star Trek Trek Trek. We are here um, talking about Ad Astra per Aspera, the court-martial episode of Strangely Worlds Season 2. And holy moly, what an episode. Where do we, where do we start with this, honestly? This is um, possibly one of the most excellent episodes of Star Trek for various reasons, if not more meaning than tangibility of the legal case because the legal case was very much tv lawyerism um as opposed to sort of you know there were a lot of plot holes in that but guys please initial initial thoughts well i mean i am glad to see this was one of the last remaining big genres of trek trope that strange new worlds hadn't touched on yeah. yet mm. so i'm i'm glad to see they went there i mean it was pretty obvious that they were going to have to do something with the way season one ended that was going to end yeah. in a courtroom somehow yeah so it was it was really good to see them pull that off as as well as they did so that's my initial thought yeah because yeah, we had in the... oh, no this just follows in the you know tradition of measure of a man and court martial yeah. like star trek Menagerie. does does yeah exactly uh does courtroom drama really really quite well so, mm. so yeah, most I'm of the time they... Yeah, you, yeah. Nine, out, nine out of ten times you get a court martial or a measure of a man. Sometimes you get a rules of engagement, which I think oh, is. Oh no, lame. I like rules of engagement. I, think I that's hate really rules good. of engagement. I was thinking more about I you get like turnabout intruder, and then you get the bad ones. I, I should introduce. That's anyone, not really a court. I don't even define <laughs> that as a courtroom episode. Blow me stars and guards. That's to not defined right, by the courtroom. To my to my right to my left, uh, Jeopardy champion extraordinaire Big McLarchies, and over the road over there is uh, Khan musical uh, Captain Kirk actor uh, off Broadway extraordinaire Shia Paul. Anyway, sorry, forgot to introduce you at the start. We came all off off kilter. We were just stunned by uh, Yetidi. Yet, I'm trying to get this name right. Yetidi Badaki. Yetidi Badaki's excellent performance as Nera. Um, sorry, stars, go on. You were going to say. Oh uh, yeah, I was just going to say like she fucking nails it like mm. I, we we have like a strong tradition of good star trek lawyers and it's like you know you could probably make a you know those memes that are always like you can make a crew with 25 dollars and then it's like you, know, you get five dollar <laughs> tier four and yeah. it's like you know what can you make with all this who's your choices and it's like you have your star trek lawyers do you want um you know ron canada the, the klingon word do you want uh picard do you want samuel t cogley and i feel Something like too. at this point you yeah, but I feel like you've got to put Nira up on that $5 tier now. She's well worth... Maybe even the $6 tier on her own, because she is a stonker. She's fucking... She's well, got charisma. She, she had she's got authority. The, yeah, you can tell by the end of the episode, mm. she had worked it all out from the start. Soon she gets the aunt mm. hand of that book of the court of... The, the old school thick book of, what is it? Volume 8.1 <laughs> of the Code of Conduct, which must be like someone's encyclopedia. Yes, the Oxford Britannica English Starflictionary. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> 12.9. 12.9, yeah. Volume 12.9 of the Uniform Code of Justice, that's implying the there are 12.8 more volumes of that. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Well, and, and that's um, the thing. She, she knows the law. She just asked for it so she could find the exact book it was in, so she could then ask for a physical book so she would have a prop in the courtroom <laughs> yes. to yeah, slam down on the table. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to be a lawyer, you're doing it for the drama. Let's be real here. You're, you're all about justice. You're all about sticking it to the man. you got to have a prop. you got to have the book. Mm. Like, um, I, I mentioned Miles Edgeworth as a uh, comparison because there's a wonderful series of games called Phoenix Wright, which is, if you want to talk about like fictionalized lawyerism, that's the most fictionalized you'll ever get. It's, it's all, <laughs> you can only have trials over three days. It has to be solved by that point or the person's automatically guilty. That kind of bullshit. <laughs> so you, yeah, because like it's a video game. Law. 
Yeah, but at the end of one of the cases, it all comes down to a simple matter of like, um, you have all your ever, you have like forty pieces of evidence, and the game asks you, okay, here's your 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 final question. Here's how you win the game. How do you answer it? And you go through all this forensic evidence. You go through witness statements, and then it just comes down to a book that someone handed you right at the beginning of the case, and it's just a book on evidence law. And I love it when a good courtroom drama or a piece like this just goes down to no I, I could pull some bullshit of a testimony we didn't mention or some kind of law i didn't talk about but here it's like no it, this is a really I, I think shy you mentioned that this is in current law right this basic law oh she, she's basically uh at the end of the episode uh she's basically quoting current u.s asylum law hmm. uh yeah like um for asylum seekers seeking political asylum, fleeing political or racial persecution in other countries, it's it's a very unsubtle uh, allegory for immigration and asylum law and re refugees yeah. and refugee law, not just here in the U.S. but of course uh, is very prevalent throughout Europe right now. Yeah, it's, it's not like she quoted Space Command Directive 1531, you know? It's like, it's like no, this is based on obvious real-life asylum law. And mm -hmm. it's like, okay, yeah, of course you go to just the law is the law. And if you're going to, especially like letting Basalk and uh, Patel set themselves up by, oh, this isn't about emotions, this is all about, you know, the strict adherence to the law. And she's like, cool, read that. It's like, yeah. that, that's what being a lawyer is all about. It's about the drama. I yeah, it's about that and... Definitely. Of course, the the queer LGBTQ yes, uh, yes. civil rights well, very much so, messaging. Yes. C calling it coming out was not an, uh, a subtle way no. of referring to it. Yeah, no, no this was this was. Well, the, I mean, yeah, and that's sorry, that's how no, it's a, that, that's how Trek works. That's that's mm. the yeah. when it works best. That's how, that's the formula. Because of course they could invent some kind of obscure space law that would solve their way out of the problem more neatly, but tying it to things that resonate with the people that are watching it that's <clears throat> that's the same that's what that's when it works Absolutely. yeah because it's not just a case of like you know uh, aspiring to you know a future that could be better you also have to I, I feel like good star trek also calls to the present and says you could be being better right now mm -hmm. and you know acting better and acting in other people's best interests right now if you choose to apply yourself like you know the fact that it's based on current law it's like this isn't just a far-off ideal this isn't something yeah. that people don't deal with anymore this is very much a real standing issue and we're gonna treat with some real gravitas here we're gonna spend a lot of time examining the personal dynamics of it we're gonna you know throw a little bit of shade at starfleet and the federation and even a little bit of april for yeah. saying, yeah, I wouldn't have um, called, I wouldn't have said Una should join the staff if I had known, even though I know she's a great officer, even though I know all this, like, yes, you have to say that because you're a Starfleet Admiral, and if you say yes, I would have still said it, it's like, guess what, that's probably his career over. But it's still a almost a mark against this character that is like, no, I would I would have you know completely denied her application and all the people who would have died as a result. I think it's more... Well, it's, 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 it's more keep in mind. like he is very much... He is, you know, he's turned himself as like, no, I believe in the... the you know, he's a trained, yeah. almost military officer. I believe in these codes that we have been given. This is the reason. It's And he even said, it's not personal. But I would have denied it if I'd have known because that's my job. 
that that's pretty much what True. he says. But the, the point at which I think it's not always, I think maybe a Marcus's character is an unfair way to say it, but mm. it's a it's a characteristic that we have to because if that had been Pike on the stand, he would not have said that. I bet. I no, bet. But Pike would have been Pike's willing awesome. to burn his career to the ground he would have, because yeah. that's the kind of Captain America asshole he is. Well, he like says April. that in the previous episode, right? He's like, I, yeah, I welcome that Pike. discussion. Yeah. 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 So I, you, you know for a fact that if Pike was asked that exact same question, he would have said, no, oh. I would have told her to send in the application anyway. But his cockiness is off and the charts because he knows he's not. He knows he's going to be a fleet captain someday getting burned saving cadets so like he's got That's true he's yeah. got that path ahead of him you know, you can walk into any you room and he can say he... you are not gonna fire me like but you're just turning yeah, pike he... into Macbeth now pike's just yeah. like no stop fleet admiral a woman born can affect my career in any way no, no, that's the plot twist. That's the plot twist. Like he's, he, he comes up on the stand. He's like, oh, you guys can't like you know, throw me out. He gets court-martialed, and then Admiral Pike from Quality of Mercy has to come in and bail him out again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, that's an interesting point. It's like, why is Captain Pike not, like, jumping off every cliff he encounters because of, you know, fate of the future armor knows he's going to make it through okay, you know? It's like, I think that might, see like, how far he could push it. Why this not? Is, this is like Doctor Who almost, like, fixed points in time and, like, wibbly-wobbly timeline yeah. fracturing kind of thing. That If you know your yeah. fixed point in time, that if you start to diverge from it, you create a separate timeline, maybe? I don't know. Maybe mm. there's, like, limits to... I don't know, that's theory, right? Anyway, getting off the let, point Let me so address slightly. one of the... One of the side scenes. All the little side scenes are great. Mm. But the scene where Ortega's and Mbenga are watching Pasalk <laughs> and Spock just oh, like glare at each other. Yes. Yeah. One, this feeds into my theory that Ortega's is is on the edge of being a, a, a bad person. Jeez. But mm. because Spock's alive in this timeline, you mentioned quality of mercy. So because Spock's mm, alive, yeah. Ortega's has a chance not to turn into space racist from Bounce of Terror. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's it is really interesting that because when we saw that in Quality of Mercy, we were like, this is a. It makes sense when you understand the historical context of the you know, balance of terror, but then you're like, but this is a really weird turn to take it. But it feels like here they're kind of leading into it. They're like, no, that was actually an establishing character moment, and mm -hmm. we're going to examine that. And considering the fact that McCoy exists in his state for fucking three seasons of TOS and six movies and he never gets called up on it. This is a thing that happens in this era of Starfleet. Guess what? You wouldn't get away with a shit in TNG. Not That's really. because um, he, the only reason Starfleet, uh, McCoy got into Starfleet is because he was said he was Spock's husband. So people just go like, oh, that's fine. <laughs> well, we can get away. It's, they, I'm they a Vulcan friend. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. McCoy's a Don Rickles of uh, Starfleet. He can get away with the, uh, <laughs> yeah. the racial joke. Um, but yeah, it's it, it's interesting because like it's not the uh, thing I would have naturally assumed because she's such a hot shot maverick with like you, you you don't really assume that kind of thing. But then, especially with the revelation that she was serving in the Klingon War, it's like maybe there's a place where this you know, makes sense and we're going to examine that. I'd be really interested to see if where that dynamic goes if it gets elaborated on further here. Hmm. Um, I also have to shout out like fucking. Ethan Peck only really has like two or three scenes in this of note. He has the bit with Pasok and he has the, the bit on the witness stand. He fucking nails both of them. <laughs> like Ethan Peck could use to deliver every single time he's on screen. Like the Gilbert and Sullivan crack yeah. Um, yeah. and the outburst. Like that just, 
when I first saw that, I just could not stop laughing. I need, it's just to, so I need to go and typically Balkan. I need to go and watch Q and A again because I haven't seen it since it first mm. came out. But that was for anyone that doesn't know. There's a short trek with Spock and Una when Spock is an ensign coming on board that explains the Gilbert and Sullivan thing. So it's not kind of that's unlike yeah. the nod to they, it. They got like trapped in an elevator. Yeah. And hi and nod to anybody that's laughing about me being on screen and Gilbert and Sullivan being mentioned again. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Shame. 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 It's okay, Pig. We won't laugh at you for the next By the way, Pasol's completely a Romulan. Pasol's completely a yeah, Romulan. You Mr. heard it here first. Egg guy. Devil. <laughs> yeah. The most racist egg. Yeah. yeah so... <laughs> Sorry. Well, I, I appreciate that they, because they, they wrote themselves into the corner <clears throat> that this episode brought up but by making uh, Una an Illyrian. It's mm. like, they know that they can't solve this problem in a far-reaching, meaningful way because of what comes later. Yeah. With uh, so that yeah. they had to have a very limited solution that was basically probably only going to fit Una. And I still think they managed to do it pretty elegantly. Um, they, they managed to thread and, that needle because it's it's very uh, you know talking about real world examples. This happens a lot where it's like all it takes is one court case, all it takes is one boy bus boycott, all it takes is one act where you point out how bullshit the law is, and you get people thinking, you get people going. To but we also or... know that that's not, it's not going to have wide-reaching well, consequences yeah. and because well, we know... For all we know, we could now rationalize and say... So the whole thing with Bashir kind of gets dealt with off-screen. Like, he doesn't get really brought up in front of a tri tribunal like this. It kind of yeah. just gets dealt off-screen. It's more about, like, the personal ramifications with his parents. I'm now going to yeah. have to headcanon that whoever his lawyer was, probably, like, I don't know, like... T what's another S name? Um... It was Fucking... a guy she that that Una rejects at the opening, like the public <laughs> the public defender that she yeah. crap public defender she got. Uh, yeah, Stephen T. Cogley in the future yeah. in, like has to cite Starfleet versus Chin Riley in yeah, that Bashir yeah. trial, and that's what gets them off. There you go. I have that, a, that's what ties all together. I have a big issue with now Starfleet's mm. big their whole legal system. Because it's all a joke. Like they they haven't had this kind of precedent set before. Like, and I mentioned this in the in the um, in in the in the in the watch along. I said they had like you know Starfleet versus Wick about some kind of you know I forget what hey, the case was. But I'm like, Idle? sorry, go on. Well, I was just, what's it like to not have to follow the American legal system? Because that is <laughs> this is yeah, but I just mean like fantastically even the American legal system blissful has... ignorance. Of, well, true, uh, but. It does seem like yeah. there's a lot, and like like you say, like this Illyrian case is brought up now, and they said yes, this must, we must have to look into this wide-reaching implication, and they don't. No one does. But the point, my point is, this isn't the American legal system. This is supposed to be Starfleet. This is the utopia of the Federation that is supposed to enhance all these rights and, um, you know. Uh, can't even think of the word now. The rights and lives of people in in a way that benefits everyone, but they just seem there seems to be a lot of like uh, inconsistencies brought in at this point. Idle. Well, this is are we really going to like <laughs> say that Starfleet is a? Are we going to buy into Gene Roddenberry's bullshit? I mean, we are we going to act like bit. Bruce Maddox <laughs> and Nora Sayti and all of these people? I am still. So like... here's the thing. 
Hang on, no, no, like, no, 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 wait, yeah. wait, wait, stop, okay, stop. No, no, no. I, I am still of that mind frame that, like, okay, yeah, no, fine, I'm happy with tele <laughs> television being dark and there being some corrupt elements of Starfleet, but I still have that nice perception that Starfleet and the United Federation planets are governed by, you know, being good, by doing the right yeah. thing, by being yeah. the best who they are and being the utopia and the, the ideals that we can look forward to being them coming around and then saying like oh we've got this whole legal system but it's a bit shit because <laughs> yeah. okay yeah but, <laughs> but the legal system let me ask you a question legal... you go on go ahead. No, you go show you go show i've got, I've got i was uh, just gonna say uh, this uh, legal system is built literally out of coming out of the eugenics wars yeah yeah, there is that. Three, yeah. There is after that. like yeah. everything was destroyed, it's been, a, it's been a couple of hundred years now. Like that's pretty much how old's America? America's about a couple of hundred years now, isn't it? Two, three hundred years. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah. You, two, three hundred years. You don't remember when you guys lost? I wasn't there. <laughs> <laughs> Weren't you? A little um, bit before my thing. time. <laughs> so let me ask you a question, Idol. Go on. Do you not think it makes a stronger point that? You, you know, Starfleet and the Federation are an absolute utopia where most people live in complete comfort mm. and are free to live the lives that they choose and you know pursue any avenue that they wish. But they have that one blind spot, mm. just like perfectly good, moral, upstanding people in real life <laughs> can have that one blind spot, that one prejudice that they have never examined. That one thing where they just have a knee-jerk reaction, and this is the thing, I'm not even having a go at you here. I'm having a go at myself. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, there what's, your blind time, spot? what's your blind spot? When I was growing up, guess what? I had a certain blind spot, and I had to consciously examine it and go, why do I think like this? Um, hmm. Why am I so you know, dead set on this? Why do I have such an intrinsic reaction, even though I consider myself to be a good, moral, upstanding individual? And it's like, guess what? A lot of the time, if you are, if you believe yourself to be a good, upstanding, moral individual, you don't consciously re-examine your biases because you yeah. believe you already have. You 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 believe you're past the point of needing to, and then you kind of get into complacency. But the entire point of being a utopia is that you constantly reassess what you need to do for the best of everyone, and that's the point at which you go, okay, what's the most logical blind spot? Let's draw on history. Let's go for eugenics. You know, let's talk about that whole thing. And when you or think you, about or it, you have it, well, it's like, or you have it confront you directly. Mm. You have it brought to your attention in a big way that you didn't really consider before, mm. and that it wasn't it wasn't a person before, it wasn't a yeah. people before. It was just it wasn't a story, you know, abstract yeah. words on a page. Mm. So yeah, until you're forced to confront it yourself, yeah, you may not have sufficient motivation to revisit these things exactly and i think that makes it even more of a strong point because it's like yes starfleet is a utopia but the point at which you make it perfect is the point at which you also hit that tng season one problem of we don't have headaches anymore and you're not allowed to have personal <laughs> oh, drama yeah. it's like you also have to make some concessions to the the personal format where you know, Star Trek is about examining social issues. If, if the Federation doesn't have any social issues, then it's constantly talking about through alien lenses. And sometimes that gets a bit, you want to you wanna make it about real world issues <clears throat> and you want a load of humans sitting around a, a, a table talking about civil rights because you don't want to go through the allegories and like the layers of metaphor and the makeup. You want people you know, of various different skin colors talking about civil rights and exclusion and being very unsubtle about what it means and what it applies to. Mm -hmm. 
because sometimes be, you got to drop yeah. the anvil. Yeah. Sorry. Well, and you I want it to be messy. Wrong. You want it to be visceral. You don't mm. want it to be abstract. Yeah. You want it to be about things that yeah. hit you. Yeah. This brings yeah. me on to uh, another point of the conversation was when Una was giving her testimony about what it was like growing up as an Illyrian on another colony. Mm. There was very much, a ver like we say, this is one of the most unsubtle courtroom scenes. Like, Measure of the Man was mm. kind of an allegory towards, you know, uh, almost like, slavery. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Well, almost, yeah, sl slavery primarily and also self-identification. people. Self-identification yeah. as well, yeah. And. Um, yeah, this well. was a very sort of less subtle version of that by sort of bringing up all like racial hates and you know people saying you know putting on like oh, augment on the door and that what do you kind of think of that version of Illyria being in a uh, sort of a Starfleet world because to say like she was on a planet that was given federation provisional federation status yet there was still kind of like a rampant uh, racism happening essentially sure. yeah I yeah mean, they even have... they ended up segregating the city right yes, that's what exactly yes which in. is yeah. For like, well, even if is, you say like, oh yeah, the Federation is flawed, when you've kind of got like an East-West Berlin thing going on, it's a bit like, oh yeah, well, it's not even that; it's no. South Africa. Yeah, um, yeah but it's, separate but equal. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and here's the thing: I had to point out it was provisional Federation membership. There was no mention of a timeline of becoming a full Federation mm -hmm. member. I also have to point out this has actually got precedent in Starfleet law because fucking. Um, Tasha's planet was also it's a true. Federation world at one point and went through way worse yeah, social degradation right there, yeah. and got abandoned. So it's entirely possible that Una's planet, which we're not quite sure if it's Illyria or not, we're not sure if it's a colony or whatever. Well, it wasn't Illyria, yeah. no. It was a different colony. She said yeah. she brought up on a colony world. So yeah, Illyria is exactly, yeah. very much out with the Federation, I believe, and subject yeah, to all sorts so of that, that's why I'm completely fine with it, because it's a colony mm. world with provisional Federation membership. Federation membership takes a while to clear, and I'm pretty sure we had a good few episodes in TNG kind of going over the process yeah. of, like, the Barsons and stuff like that, and it's like, it takes a while. You have to get mm. cleared for that shit, and it's like, you have to go through all these processes, and you have to sort out these issues. Mm. So I have no real problem with that. Put the exactly, wig on Picard, yeah. and there you are. Precisely. Um, I also have to give a shout-out to um, this episode having a one-scene that comments on the ice rage that is better than the entirety of season two of Picard. Just saying. <laughs> yes, show don't tell. Oh no, tell don't show. Yeah, in when, this she's, case. when she's talking about her best friend's cousin being arrested. Yeah, that was a weird What an link. odd, odd linkage. My best friend's cousin. My best friend's cousin's mother's brother. Yeah, see, it's like, it, it's hard not to, you, you want to avoid that kind of writing just because it's going to go into Spaceballs territory, you know? Yeah. It's yeah. Uh, Just see my best friend. My best friend would have done. Yeah. Or my, my yeah. yeah. Well, no, because she is, like, um, Nero is her oh, best yeah, friend. But okay, they Unless it was Nero's cousin. Could... Was, it ne was it Nero's cousin yeah, that maybe. we're saying? Yeah, yeah. Arrested Nero's and Couture. taken away? Yeah. Because it's Nero Katul uh, and the oh, Ivan, Ivan, Ivan Katul. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's the link. Yeah. It's not best friend's cousin. It's Nero's cousin mm. was the one. Yeah, who they didn't really that. sell that in that moment. Like we needed a reaction. Yeah. I, know, shot I feel like Nero. um, uh, Nero's actress kind of like kind of showed that there was that moment of just mm. like fury and like confusion and just like mm. a bit of vulnerability of like you understand why she's so frosty to Una well, because I... you were allowed to you get through when my cousin couldn't you know well, okay then i will i'll put my hand up in that i complete that completely glossed over me yeah. and i missed that mm, entirely same. yeah uh, because it was too subtle oh, yeah. okay fair enough 
Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, because uh, they don't put a lot of emphasis on um, Couture. Maybe they could have had... Um, I also hear Ivan, and I instantly envision, like, some Russian kid. <laughs> you know? Like, so it, it really, Ivan. like, completely separates... <laughs> So when I say Patrick, do you imagine a redhead sipping Guinness? Like what? Or, or you know, you can you can think in. I also was thinking in like you know, Bond territory. It's like Ivana Tool or something. You know, it's like. (laughs) (laughs) It's. I mean, it's there. Yeah. Okay, so, what, so. What, one thing that also got onto me, we, we're going to run longer today. This is one we have to talk about a fair bit. So, um, what are talking about? The, the Vulcan Admiral who was at the prosecution, mm. um, what was his motivation? Because they, you know, there was the conversation with, he had with Spock, and there was also sort of like what Battelle was hinting to, saying, like, oh, this is going higher up. And then when he appears, she's like, oh, I wasn't expecting you. Like, is this a plot they're going to build up forward? Is this going to be... Because they said, like, oh, they're taking a, a blood special... War. In, well, they're taking He's a, special... a foreign agent trying to destabilize the Federation. <laughs> Spock yeah, okay. says it. It would This would harm the Federation <laughs> because you'd be, like, taking away an excellent officer who is strengthens the Federation. Well, He's yeah, his motivation. That's I my think, thing. I think it, it's also a... It's trying to represent the different kind of personalities that would still exist. And there mm. are... I think is always going to be that kind of person that is always looking for the last period of the last sentence of every technicality of law and trying to nor safety. Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah, gotcha people on technicalities. Uh, yeah. And I think that kind of person is, exists pretty often in other Trek entities and needed to be here too. And I mean, there may be, additional ulterior motives that may come to light later but i would be fine if this was his only appearance and that was the reason for it Hmm. so i have a few thoughts on this so um i think it's very interesting that spock mentions that he is one of his father's former colleagues yeah um which is okay so he's hung out with sarek and then they had a falling out Maybe over Amanda, maybe over his raising dangerous half-breeds, which we have seen opposition to before multiple times in Discovery, not just in Burnham's exclusion from the Vulcan Science Academy, but also in the attempt on the um, the Academy with the bombing, and mm. um, the attempt to kill Sarek by a logic extremist. Um, and we also know there are logic extremist admirals who exist in Starfleet as of like you know a few years ago? Because Admiral Patar, who was head of Section Thirty One, was also identified as being a logic extremist Did she when really? she was Did still you? alive. Yes, oh, she was. Um, so these elements all absolutely still exist. This is drawing on a lot of discovery stuff here. So people who like <laughs> you, know, like, and I think it's a case of this man probably he, he's probably meant to re- represent a conservative hardline. Um, mm. He could also be just a case of like Vulcans are a weird people who can be very racist when they want to be. I mean, um, we have seen which O nine kind of brought in. Into, well, yeah, Enterprise yeah. and O nine also kind of yeah. drilled down on that. Um, so I'd be interested to see if this comes back in some kind of Romulan plot. Uh, it could also potentially come back in relation to Cyborg. I could see that oh, maybe wow. in a yeah, roundabout way. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think I, definitely the Cyborg connection is there because of his father mm. former father's former colleague mm. so mm. there may be some schism because of cyborg the cyborg controversy maybe his current yeah, wife was the Vulcan priestess that was cyborg's mother mm, okay i don't know <laughs> 
<laughs> we could get real messy it's here. Like, do, um, I mean, do we do we know the circumstances by which Cybok ended up where he is now? No, no, no that's not been explained. Because no um, Big hasn't. So, Big just for context hasn't watched episode one. You've come to watch episode two with the straight away. So yeah, yeah. No, there was no yeah. Cybok in episode one. Well, no, yeah, I, no, I knew we, that, but I mean, just the where it was in in no, season no, no. one, season one. Well, yeah, what we know cool. is season one. Yeah, they're very uh, on the like low Cybok path. was essentially like the cliffhanger. Of, yeah, yeah kind of it was the only unresolved and, thing. And, was and they, they just kind of have not he, gone he back is, to it. Oh, he's literally they the will. Avengers one Thanos <laughs> of season one. He really he complete with the turning the head. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. At the end of season two, he's going to pick up the gauntlet and fine, I'll do it myself. He's going to pick up a face. Yeah. Yes. He's going to still pick up figure out. the gauntlet of like Vulcan logic. The toxic yeah. tarts. They're still oh, trying no, to figure out who's going to play him. They haven't even cast him yet. No, what is the um, what's the one in um, the, no in Gambit with the the, the Vulcan psionic? Yeah, it's the toxic tart. That was the toxic tart. The psionic resonator. Yeah, that's the one. No, it's not the toxic tart. That's from Hot Captain's Holiday, isn't is it? Is that Captain's Holiday? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's the other obscure <laughs> Vulcan relic. <laughs> anyway, anyway. Uh, anyway. Let's do um, some... Should we just big up someone now? Should we talk about Rebecca Romaine in this episode? Because this is definitely... Guess what? She was underused in season one. She absolutely mm -hmm. was underused, and I'm glad... I don't even think that's up for debate. Yeah. 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 One I think she's probably the one who had the least season. amount of development. Um, mm -hmm. yeah. And here she just kind of knocks it out of the park. Like, she absolutely meets... Um, Yetide, um, sorry, I forget her last name. Yeah, Batani? Yetide Badaki. Badaki. Sorry, I thought, yeah. Um, and they absolutely meet. Like, they are like uh, two electric personalities bouncing off each other. It's not, you know, Yetide and the, the counselors or Pasak or Batel. It's absolutely between Rebecca Romaine and her. They are the ones who are bouncing off each other the most. Maybe April, you know, because April was also fucking great. Really good. Um, and they absolutely, uh, we've been bigging at Yetide, but like, Romaine just does a really good... They keep on cutting to her a lot, and it's because she says she can say a lot with her face where it's just like how much uh, April, what April said hurt, hmm. how much what everyone on the Enterprise meant to her, and just how much she fucking hates Basalk and how she probably wants to clothesline him. <laughs> um, and I don't know if I'm reading a bit much into it, but I don't know. There was something a little bit overly long about how long she was holding onto Nira's hand. Oh, you are not the only one that, that was thought that. That was definitely a. Oh, uh, oh we were maybe yeah. more. Happy friends. Pride Month. Yeah, you're, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, maybe. Yeah, no, she's great. Definitely. Um, and I also really appreciate this was really subtle. Um, so. Do you remember at the beginning of season one, episode one, when you have Una's log about, um, you know, first contact and meeting the stars and how that all makes so much more sense when you know her backstory from this episode about, mm. you know, through the stars, salvation and hardship. Like, I feel like that suddenly codifies the character in a really interesting way. And I, I really appreciate stuff like that, where you go back and go, oh, that wasn't just a Burnham-esque kind of navel-gazing personal log that hmm. actually had like relevance to her character arc. And I appreciate that. I, yeah. yeah, one of my criticisms of this episode, which there aren't many, I'm going to rate this episode highly, but I have a few, and there is a mm. little bit of the whole, you know, starry-eyedness at Starfleet ideals that I'm not bit. as keen on in, uh, one of my complaints on Discovery is that it does that a little too, well, probably quite way too much, but mm. there was a little bit of that in here, and there's a little bit too much of a, oh, she's an excellent Starfleet officer, and there's a little bit of like, 
uh, I need we need to see a little bit more of that in Una's because we've never really seen Una in command much other than one yeah, episode. Yes. I'm not as not in the capacity. She was also in command during the pirate episode, and she was the one who stopped them from fucking them over until Spock ruined everything because <laughs> well, <maybe laughs> he got because he got honey pied. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, we we still need to see her epic like a, a cool like ship battle moment where we can see like oh wow this is why she's the first officer. I wouldn't mind that. This is her Riker yeah, moment yeah. where we can tell like oh wow he is a decent captain. He's only staying there because of he wants to be in Jean Luc's shadow, you know. But you know, well, she was the, also giving up blood for other crew members yeah. in the Gorn episode. She is consistently shown to be extremely competent at her job and heroic. I just need, just to know, of, I need to see that. I need more, to see of, more a of a highlight, yeah. an assertive yeah. commander. Yeah. But but that's yeah. just me. But I mean, I think like the, the my complaint is like a little bit of like you know the starry eyed Starfleet is great. Starfleet is this, except Starfleet slightly racist and doesn't sort out their legal problems. <laughs> well, they address that. They, mm-hmm. they I appreciate that not just. Um, Una brings that back with saying Starfleet may not be perfect, but it's something I aspire to. But I also appreciate that even though Nero, who comes out and says, you know, Starfleet fucking sucks, I fucking hate Starfleet, um, she's like, you know, smart enough to codify her opening remarks by saying, perhaps unknowingly you've codified this racism in your law. Hmm. And then he, she has the, 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 the come around where she says, guess what? I may not be the biggest fan of Starfleet, but you guys are all cool. So it's a start. Well, that's, that's what the point of all of these Star Trek courtroom episodes are, is that being our best selves requires constant vigilance and mm. constant reassessment of what we are, what we want to be, what we think we are, and what we actually are, and reconciling mm. all those things. Yeah. And there's basically no better narrative way to do that than than courtroom episodes. So that's yeah. what yeah, I, I think that, like, that's what they've always meant to me. And, yeah. yeah. Personally, like the one thing that's challenged myself on that is is having children and like dealing mm. with my kids on a more of kind of like realizing that oh sh- maybe I should have said that or maybe I should have done that and you're constantly you become a lot more self analytical as if you're like oh, am I being a good father right now and then you'll do something I'll, I'll chat with them for something and my wife would be like you kind of react to that in a bit and I'm like oh shit yeah maybe I did and that's kind of the same kind mm. of sort of theory that I, I line against that makes you think about other things are kind of like oh wait was I was I wrong in this scenario? Was I wrong in that scenario? Kind of, kind of thing. And that's yeah, like you say, it's, it's all about the self reflection. Mm. It's great that you're talking to your kids. I think that's what shows real progress. <laughs> well, I'm not Walt. I keep coming to this, this you and your kids bit every time on this podcast. I just like the idea that you never see them. You guys he have a absent father. He just sits down in his basement all day <laughs> playing board games. You're talking about basement. I'm on the Enterprise now. Ah, look. Mm. Um, okay. Um, so we've been talking a lot about the courtroom because it's obviously it's courtroom. Yeah. I want to give a big shout out and big. You won't have the context for this, but season two appears to have picked up the flag and said, "Hey, Uhura and Lana, cool." Yeah. Let's let them just bounce off each other a little bit because their moment in here was great. Their moment <laughs> in episode one, which you'll get more context for, it's like is great. Um, considering that was one of the few things I really enjoyed about episode uh, six in season one, you know the the freaking the child murder episode. Um, yes. I'm glad that that got brought back and is actually being brought forward and is being mm-hmm. developed because it feels like they have a nice. It, it's a nice way for Uhura to learn all that kind of surf confidence and assertiveness that she displays in TOS. It's like you can tell she took a few pages out of Lan's book in terms of I'm not going to let anyone dictate to me what I can and can't do. But I'm also not going to let anyone else compromise mm-hmm. my moral character. And you know, even though Uhura basically only had the one scene, it's like, cool, fucking Celia Rose Gooding continues to kill it every time. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. She's She's got that now, you know, 
Uhura's now an ensign. She's now a command officer. She's getting a little bit mm. of authority behind her. Like the first episode, she was talking down to the communications officers, like, no, no, this is my console. Bugger off. And now she's just like, no, nah, <laughs> you can't come in here telling me about personal logs. I've got authority over communications. You're, you're, but she said it a bit more diplomatically than that. But yeah. yeah. She's throwing her weight around. Oh, a bit, and I like that. That's good. Well, and also just representing that, you know, getting what you want, but not getting it the right way is Maz. not the right way to. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and you can tell Lan was yeah. like Christina Chong did some like I think it was was it you or Stars said uh, you big star said like this uh, you know Christina Chong's acting here is like like her one of her best scenes where she's being vulnerable like she oh, is she worried is for her she's worried for her friend and she's worried that she's in trouble and then she's got all that you know uh, baggage with her Khan ancestry which oddly enough the judges never really kind of addressed do they were like hang on hang on wait a minute I mean, they did wait a minute you're they the then they brought it up yeah, the, yeah but it's, it's like, like at that point it's like what are you gonna tell me I'm yeah, not true. allowed to be related to people fuck off <laughs> yeah, yeah. true yeah no I mean it was it's nice that they're giving her more depth and dimension mm. this season because I, I mm. felt the first season that she was pretty much stuck in either brooding or PTSD mode <laughs> for the mm entire even with the enterprise bingo scene like even the it was just it just uh they did, i didn't feel like they gave her other than the elysian field like i mean but, to your point even in the enterprise bingo they automatically made her the bad cop hmm. it was just yeah. there was no thought about it because uh, yes obviously she's not going to be having any fun with this oh, no, i know i i think from my perspective i i like how christina charles been playing her, and i feel like it's a case of you have to establish it. She's the hardest, so that there's an actual impact to when she starts to to thaw. Like, yeah, she was probably a bit more PTSD and a bit more broody, but it's a case of like you have to establish that and then commit to the bit. Mm. Otherwise, it's like you, you don't want to run into the situation of oh, I'm this, and the script says I'm this, and then you immediately start to undermine it. So it's like, well, what's the fucking point of you being that character? You can't just you have to earn the development, and that's why I yeah. feel like the Maybe. episode, the the moment with um, Nira here. Where she just get you get to see her like more vulnerable than almost ever because this is about mm -hmm. someone that she cares about. This is something that she feels she actually fucked up on, which I don't yeah, think she feels Lan guilty. Feels like she's fucked Lan up often. Guilty, have we? Yeah. Well, you haven't yeah, seen exactly. the first episode of this second season yet, Big. And there's a lot of Laan development mm -hmm. in the first episode mm. okay. as well. Well, I mean, she has to get back on the ship for one. There's a lot with that. It's it's fun, yeah. But uh, go on. She burps really well. Um, she does. She does. <laughs> okay. Okay. Now, well, now. I got that to look forward to. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> guess what? She burped strongly. Um, we have to talk about the actual star of the episode, which is the dress uniform. <laughs> yeah, really you meant the Salk's eyebrows. <laughs> Let me quickly shout out Pasalk's actor. His eyebrow twirling villainy, clearly Robbie, but he's so good. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, let's let's get on to these um, these fire uniforms. They are such a lovely update of the TOS uniforms. Yeah. And I like the TOS yeah. uniforms. Like, for a show that was, like, on a relatively uh, like a small budget where you had to you know, spend your money carefully, I always thought the TOS uniforms were, like, some of the, the nice... Because they're just so simple. They it's had like, a lot of yes, gold of foil sort of dress uniforms. They had yeah, a lot of gold like foil and little jelly babies you stick onto your fucking chest. It's also really easy um, to cut out. It's triangles. You just have to do that. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, they're, they're like shrinky dinks, right? Like you start out a lot bigger so you can keep the detail and then you just shrink it down and then it's the right yeah, size. Absolutely, just iron yeah. it on. Um, yeah. But they, it's so nice to see them return with a proper mm. budget. And I know that, um, oh God, what's her name? Um, 
uh, Bernadette Croft, is she the costumer on this? Yeah, I believe so. Name? Um, because I, I, every time uh, she, she knocks it out of the park, I know uh, Shai, you have very strong feelings about the Monster Maroon in episode 10. Um, <laughs> but quality mercy. She, you know, no one's perfect. Everyone has to have a Persian flaw. You know? <laughs> <laughs> those are, those anyway. are her Persian flaw. That's her one flaw. She's allowed one. Um, yeah. But every other time she is knocked it completely out of the park. Not just with these dress uniforms, because they look good on fucking everyone. Um, I really want to see everyone wearing them at some point. We need to, like a proper diplomatic function on the Enterprise, just so I can see everyone wearing them. Um, wow. I wonder what... Does like, the Pike, does Pike get like, a special captain's jacket or whatever? Because no, he's already Pike got a green jacket. With the green, with the green like, wrapper around. Yeah, that I guess so, yeah. Like, that's the captain's tradition, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, but I wouldn't see him getting like his captain's vest like Picard has in first contact. I always love that vest. Um, but I also have to shout out every one of Nira's dresses and like outfits in this yeah. episode were incredible. They all had that 60s retro futurism going on that Strange New Worlds has kind of nailed. And every time I was just like, that is so TOS, but also so fucking fire. Shai, talk to uh, us about her positioning for the camera. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's Yiddy Badaki. Somehow always managed to be like, in three quarters shots, every she she knew exactly where the camera was. Like, no, I'm not gonna look directly at the. I'm gonna be like side eyeing you yeah. with my my with the good kit vocal fry. Yeah, and like <laughs> just check out my cheekbone. Yeah, every single shot. It was amazing. It was truly amazing. Um, I also want to talk for because so there has been a bit of complaint. And I understand it. That there's not been enough pike this season, there is and a that is for a few reasons. Yes, yeah, so, so uh, Anson Mount and his wife, who I'm sure is very, very lovely and probably appreciates him even more than we do, because he gets to be Captain Pike at and home. If she doesn't, she should. Um, well, I'm sure she's lovely too. Um, had, they've had a baby, Bay. and guess what? Part part of the reason it took Strange New World so long to get off the ground was because of his concerns about being there for his family over long yeah. filming um, schedules. So they made an agreement that, hey, we're going to make sure you get a good amount of quality time with your wife and your kid. So season episode one and two have both been very light on Pike. I think three that will being be said, well. I th- Maybe, yeah. yeah. Um, and I feel like that is a bit of a loss because guess what? Answer Mount is perfect every time. That being said, I also feel like this supporting cast is more than strong enough to hold yeah. him up on its he own. Was, like, the guest actually... stars are perfect and... yeah. He was in a lot of this episode, to be fair. You know, he had the scene yeah. on Illyria. He had ways. the scene with Battelle yeah. in his quarters when he angrily chopped the carrot at her. And I love the moment <laughs> where she opens the door and goes, your client's trying to ruin my case. And he's just like, good. <laughs> he walks <laughs> no. I mean, the writers even put it in there. Like, Battelle's like, this isn't your episode. You don't get to make an inspiring speech. <laughs> he did, didn't she yeah, literally yeah, says it to him, like, no, this yeah. is not this is no, not your no, time. No, no, no speeches no. from yeah. you. No, you're not getting it. No, yeah, stay, yeah. paint a circle um, around it. Yeah. <laughs> Other people talk. Absolutely. Um, and it's like, I, I understand the criticism. Of, oh, I like Pike. It's like, yeah. you had plenty of Pike in season one. Season one is arguably Pike's story, because it's all about his yeah. arc, about dealing with his time travel t- trauma. And it's like, Guess what? Let other people fucking have their episodes. Let yeah. Spock and Lan and Una and Uhura have their moments. We will get plenty of Pike, I'm sure. And guess what? You used him correctly. He had his Captain America moment of, you know, you, stack, you sit yourself in the lobby suffocating and you said, no, you move. You know, you have that yeah. whole moment. Yeah, he's and... like, I can do this all day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> I can do this so, all day. If you hadn't told me the real world reasons why there's less Anson Mount in this episode or Hmm. the first episode that I haven't seen, Hmm. I wouldn't have noticed. 
because I think that's that's a logical thing to do when you have made this character so centrally the focus of an entire first season of a series. Okay, now it's time to bring the rest of the cast in and give them more opportunities. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, and then also give you a chance to miss him in ways. So yeah, that he'll have true. more impact when he comes back. So absolutely, I think I think maybe they made some killer lemonade out of whatever lemons they were given by the constraints of Antimount's schedule. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I also I want to give a shout. I forget his name, but the the um the right the actor for April. He and Pike have such good chemistry. You can oh, really Holmes. buy that those yeah. two were Adrian Holmes. That's his name. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, he, they, I absolutely buy that they, those two are Captain and First Officer on the level of like, yeah, Picard and Riker and, but, or Cisco but, and Kira. Gosh, he is such a like. That's... Robert April is such is he's a drama queen. When when Pike's handing he him is. the glass of bourbon, he's like, no, I'm and he snubs him. Oh. <laughs> and he's because well, because like, April with... thinks they're going the wrong way. Yeah, no, I yeah. agree that, but like, he's still not. You know, he's. Pike was his first officer so many years, and he's being really pissy. And what is with the recurring theme of Pike making people food or drinks and them just walking away? I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> That's because hey. you wish Anson Mount would cook for you. Can we talk about Captain Pike's arrow garden that he has in his quarters <laughs> yeah. now? Did they have that first season? No, they did. Did they have his hydroponic vegetable no. garden? That, his... That's like, amazing. I wish I had that. He, he leveled up fucking... his kitchen. Like I, I have at work, we have like a like two sets of drawers of like you know various game controllers. He has that for his fucking like his fucking fruit <laughs> his and veg, you yeah. fucking <laughs> asshole. That's amazing. That's amazing. Uh, like I think, can't yeah, believe I've... that like the uh, hydroponics down on fucking deck thirteen has a special section cordon off for Pe- Captain Pike's cooking vegetables. <laughs> well, see then then he can make choices, right? Where it's like yeah. okay, you know the these people they get the replicated herbs. And then mm. they, he, yeah, the the they get the real stuff. Yeah, yeah, so. you get the good stuff. Meanwhile, Kess yeah. on the boys oh. just is like, "What if we try growing our own vegetables?" And they're like, "What?" <laughs> no. Sometimes the old ways are best. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, oh, I think yeah. it's time we went on to best and worst moments let's start with big you haven't been with us for a while please best and worst moments oh oh good grief i um pass let me think for a second okay i'm sorry (laughs) (laughs) i mean uh obviously you know uh, nira pulling out starfleet regulation 8514 is is just is magic like i've been setting you up it's it's the usual suspects Kaiser Soze like flashback sequence of like <laughs> here's all the things I set up, Get, you know yeah, you're, you're going down. Clever. So that that's that's an obvious one best moment. My my personal like little side favorite best moment aside from her fabulous performance is just the mustache twirling from the salt. <laughs> like the way he leans in and he, he's like sort of Agent Smithing every word. He's stretching everything out. Do you hear me now? Talking to you. <laughs> Lieutenant Commander Unachin Riley. That's right. <laughs> Mr. Voice, Mr. Riley. Yeah. He's great. I don't know if there's a worse moment in this episode. It's it's kind it's kind of almost a perfect episode mm. of Star Trek. Uh, I, I don't know where mm, I would we're go. We're going to do the rare abstain. Ooh. Is there a bad moment in this episode? Okay. I'm, okay. Go on, go on, Big. We'll, we'll say start. Uh, we'll say Shah's, Shah's I, names, but go on. So, 
I, I think my what might be my worst moment, and it's not that it is bad in and of itself, because I understand mm. the purpose of it. But when um, when uh, April is done being on the stand, everybody in the courtroom, the people watching, are all talking about what is she doing? Why why is she mm. putting April on trial? And there is not even an inkling of a thought that she is playing on a higher playing yeah. field than everybody mm. else. Because she gets it thrown out. And she deliberately gets it thrown yeah. out because she knows what it's going to do. Yeah. Yeah. So just I, I wish there had been some kind of, you know, dissonance from somebody thinking that there may be something more going on than what it appears on the surface. I like i said it's not a bad moment on its own but it just it's the only thing that kind of rang a little hollow for me watching it uh it's a misdirect for the audience yeah it is it is mm. yeah but i'd say I, I it feel would have like, been nice if baby spock had been like hmm, yeah this is what he's doing spelling out i feel like the, the best misdirects want, yeah the, the best misdirects the will have a hint yeah. at what the true answer is yeah yeah hidden mm. in there maybe for you for you to see on a second viewing or something yeah. like that mm -hmm. and there was yeah. just nothing there um, well they're trying to paint her as an activist lawyer like even the scene after that you know una chin's yelling at yelling at her like what are you doing you're supposed to be here for me not to like advance the augment agenda mm -hmm. um, well even if there yeah, was like an m night Shyamalan red doorknob then you know <laughs> just something <laughs> to hint at it then maybe Maybe it is there. Maybe I got to watch it three more times and look for it. Uh, she was dead the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> and then best moments. I mean, there's, I think, again, you know, Ethan Peck, just when he comes over and says, like, I'm sorry you had to see that. <laughs> uh, it's just like that sells it because it's mm -hmm. like, you know, just obviously I've totally lost my cool and mm -hmm. it's just, but it's with that same kind of Vulcan subtlety. So I, I, I'll vote for that. Mm. Stars. Okay. I have my worst one uh, locked and loaded and it's a very small one. Um, and it's kind of a, uh, a, a sci-fi problem. I have uh, almost without fail, anytime you try and come up with a sci-fi slang or a slur, <laughs> oh, or a yeah. fake spare, f yeah. swear word. You know, it's like, yeah. uh, Marvel's uh, 2099 has shock. Um, yeah. In Battlestar Galactica, they have frack. I like frack. Frack kind of works. Smeg frack's wide. From dwarf, uh, Red Dwarf um, works as well. Smeg, yeah. yeah. Uh, Star Wars has dank ferric. Um, oh, yeah. Almost unilaterally, it. they're kind of awful. Um, and Moddy is up there yeah, as just awkward. It's bad. Like, I know you couldn't go, yeah, it's it's hard to come up with a slur, especially if you're presumably a nice person. Yeah. Um, but it just kind of rang as a little bit awkward. Things so really gonna, got heated when it was moment. the Moddies versus the Rockies <laughs> back in Brighton 1960. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's, that's kind of the worst <laughs> yeah. moment. Yeah. Um, I, I, I have, oh, do your favorite moment, because I, I have a worse moment now, but go on. Okay. Uh, my favorite moment of the entire episode. God, it's fucking hard. I think it might have to be. Um, Nira and Lan in Una's quarters, and she's explaining to her that she doesn't have to hate herself. Yeah, that they are. That she is not a monster just because people have told her that people like her are. 
like as someone who loves x-men as someone who genuinely really loves like the ethos and grew up reading that and believes in like you know a lot of those stories like that really resonated to me in a way that a lot of like you know the movies and like, whatever have never really done because it's just so direct and sincere and it was exactly what that character needed to hear delivered from exactly the kind of person who you wouldn't expect but makes perfect sense to tell them like i just that dynamic yeah. is perfect. It was you completely said, like, the right. Whole, the whole Illyrian planet is basically X Men the planet. A little bit, yeah. yeah. Um, and guess what? That's uh, X Men like Star Trek as that is best when it's examining these things smartly, which it often doesn't do. Um, so I'm going to call out that because both of them just fucking killed it in that in that moment, and just like the vulnerability they both shared and that moment of commonality. That's what Star Trek is about for me. Mm. Like straight okay. up. Shy, what's your what's your worst moment then? Oh, so so. When when Nero's doing her cross examination of April, the 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 court's like, this Captain April, Admiral April's not on trial here. Please stop like badgering the witness. witness yeah. And then when when uh, when the Vulcan Admiral starts like questioning about Pike, they're, they're yeah. fine with it. Oh yeah, go you can <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Fine, <laughs> yeah. He causes problems for us on the daily. Pike's not on trial now. Oh, but but it's okay when when uh, Romulan Pasolk is uh, going after him. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah, more that's fuel my... for your theory that the these yeah. undermining stuff yeah. is off. Pike. Uh, right. uh, I think right. my I did mine. Oh yeah, you did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think I think do, do, it do it again. <laughs> do it again. Do more. I need another worse. Um, I think I'm a little, you know, I'm a little bit down on the whole, like, uh, legal system in, like, like, a little bit expansion on, on, on Shai's one, but I'm a little bit down on the whole legal system of, uh, or the legal play in this episode was very much TV legal as opposed to, you know, it's a reflection of court martial at the end of the day, and we want entertainment over accuracy, but there were some, a few moments yeah. where it was a bit like, yeah, this, this is very, like, soft play, and the allegory that they were trying to shoot for, although were very good cause like this is very on the nose something that affects us every day and i will support it wholeheartedly it was very obvious it was very obviously like like looking at the camera and I'm winking kind of just saying like you know yeah this is how I'm we can improve ourselves just, I'm fine with it. yeah and i am fine with I, it i don't but, know man i think it can I, be I've a little having seen all the star trek fan groups that completely are fine with racism like i don't know i think these people need to be told <laughs> uh, you, you are probably right but yeah i, I little, little bit more maybe reading between the lines for me best moment i okay <laughs> i love um just Pike dealing with Nera when he was first introduced to her and just like running out of oxygen and then just just handing her all sorts of snark <laughs> and, and her little floating chair I only noticed that on this on the when we rewatched it like her, her chair floats for no reason but oh it does it did oh, I didn't yeah see that. well I couldn't see a stand oh, I couldn't see a cool. stand but that was pretty cool so little little details but yeah those are my guess what moments. that thing's got lumbar support like you wouldn't believe oh, geez, that's why her posture in the court was so good <laughs> <laughs> extra sass support that's what it is damn right <laughs> uh okay let's go stars what is our rating for this episode you'll like this one this one's a bit more formidable than last week's um late uh, so gentlemen how many pikes incredible botanical menageries out of 10 would you give this episode <laughs> love it let's start with let's go same order big i will oh man um, I I don't want to fire off a ten right out the gate. Um, I'm kind of in that area as well. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna give myself the wiggle room of giving this a nine. Okay. 
just because I, I want nine. to give the rest of the season a chance to surpass this. I mean, it's, mm. it's, I mean, I, I I always say with these ratings, feel what you feel for the episode. Don't think about the rest of the season. Don't think about the the season before. Think about yourself. But well, we are right also going to revisit these at the end of the epi- at the end of the series yeah. and be like, are we going to have to revise these up, revise these yeah, down? So we'll I, see how we feel about it in the thing. I, maybe I, I, I would say if, if you feel it's a ten now, give it a ten. Like we, you are here right now reviewing this episode. If that's how you feel, do it. Don't don't let future well, or past influence and, you. And thinking about it, just the the thing that I brought up about uh, the the writing the clearly leading you in, in a direction. Hmm. I think that that's enough for me to to keep it from giving it a full 10. I'm going to I'm going to stick on 9. Okay, cool. Uh, it's more than fair. Final answer. <laughs> I I will also give it a 9. Um okay. this this is pretty much a perfect episode of Star Trek, you know. It it, it deserves a 10, but <laughs> just being an old man, I I find myself missing the uh <laughs> the advert uh, breaks. Um so you go to the toilet? No, no. Well, yeah, the advert breaks. <laughs> but uh <laughs> The uh, Colonel Jaffe uh, uh, measure a man like lawyer shouting at the witness on the stand like, <laughs> oh a little bit more. Did you order the code red? Like, yeah. do you? Do you? Do you? Yeah. There he sits. Like, yeah, you know, this is good. much more realistic and reasonable for her to like mm. not antagonize court to get them to like mm. side with her client. You know, <laughs> but you want exactly more drama. Needed, but I, I, I needed a little like shouting at the salt like. Or something, um, <laughs> but this, this is like I'm a just saying. Episode. If he had been clotheslined, you would have been satisfied. <laughs> That's right. Well, yeah. so I'm assuming that... botanical menagerie. So the menagerie episode actually refers to Pike's absolutely to his yeah, herb, herb garden for Very having clever. a herb garden. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. <laughs> That's better than some of the writing in this episode. But go on, <laughs> stars. What is your rating? <laughs> Shut up! I bitch. Um, I am going to give. I am going to give this episode nine point five Pike's incredible botanical menageries out of ten. Sneaky nine point five there. Moddy and some of the little bit of like oversaturation and sentimentality kind of knocks it a little bit. But if someone asked me. Hey, what's a great episode that sums up what Star Trek is and what it's about and what it should be about? I would say, cool, here's Measure of a Man, here's, you know, Best of Both Worlds, here's mm. a fucking duet, here's Blink of an Eye, here's uh, Carbon Creek, here's fucking um, Magic to Make the Saints Go Man Go Mad. And yeah. I'd probably give them this episode as well. I'd be like, guess what? This is a really fucking good example of why you should care about Star Trek yeah. and why it's important. I think for like I feel like this well well I was gonna say I think that this episode very well could supplant like measure of a man as the quintessential it's a bit more in depth in ways yeah yeah I don't know whether it's just um like might be nostalgia bias talking for you yeah Yeah. that's what yeah exactly I wonder if it's a little bit more nostalgia that makes me think like no no I want to put it above measure of a man maybe if I watched measure of the man next that i might feel different i don't know well it's because data was a fan favorite come out of season one mm. so the stakes were higher in measure of a man yeah you yeah. know we we still have we still like you were saying una, una chin riley's actually underdeveloped in season one mm. so we're yeah. coming into this without the same level of stakes in terms of an audience being invested in the character that's also true yeah. Measure, yeah measure of a man hmm. but uh, well, plus did the, you give us the, your the, 
the contrivance of Riker being the prosecuting attorney. That was cool, yeah. also And also the fact that it takes yeah. like you know, 45 minutes for you know, Picard to realize, oh yeah, slavery is a thing. <laughs> <laughs> but then again, you know, it took them the whole episode to realize, oh wait, asylum, she could just request asylum. But yeah, I know. I think you get away with that way easier when there's like fucking twelve point nine volumes of the Uniform Code of Justice. The clever part of this episode was that well, you wait to throw it in at the end. That that way the prosecution doesn't have a chance to attack it. I I think the clever thing was 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 Nero already saying, "Well, she's already claimed asylum. She's already done it." That was the little twist that was like that was the nice little kind of like, "Oh, she's already done it. That's cool." Okay. Yeah, four months ago, she she tricked Pasalk into ashing like that. By the way, when she brings up the Starfleet code, there's a shot of Basalk in the background, and you can see his face like fall because he, he already knows. Like, oh no, it's fire right now. <laughs> like when he's cro- when he's talking, you can see there's another shot where <laughs> where Nira's like in soft focus. Like the the shots that actually focus on Una, but Nira's in the foreground, and they have a shadow depth of field. But she's smiling. As the guy's going through his closing statement, because she's like, I, I got him. Like, she yeah, knows yeah. I have him. Yeah. By the um, way, this chair she's... is floating in her office. Yes. Oh, wow. And <laughs> also, another little, this this is how good this show is. There's a great detail. There are plants in her office, and they're all in environmental tubes, because they can't live in oh, the environment. Oh, that's wow. so good. Oh, Valeria, like. Fuck, I love this show. So crazy. Good. All right, Although, like, they would have GMO plants. I'll go for 9.2. <laughs> yeah. Considering they have their plants and environmental tubes, I can't wait to hear your unfair ranking, Ivor. <laughs> How yeah. many incredible botanical Listen, menageries out of 10? I'm not also that's just going to come out and say, no, this is 2, this is trash. Um, no, this is a 9.2. I, this is very, very okay. good genre-defining episode. <laughs> that is... Big looks so betrayed. I know, sorry. <laughs> what are these decimal points? Decimals. Yeah, yeah. Decimals. this is not the uniform here, code of justice. <laughs> <laughs> no, you give it a 9.375. My arguments are no, my, my criticisms of the episode are are petty in comparison, really. There are a few things that canon wise maybe don't link up, but I think the message of this episode speaks over all of that. I want to show this mm. to my children to say, like, these are the moral values we should follow. These are the kind of things yeah. that we should be thinking about when we're dealing with our friends. Like, we, we, our, me and my kids haven't talked about anything about race or anything like that because I'm not addressing it at the moment. He's got plenty of friends of different um, cultures and races, and I just say, hey, that's cool. Are they coming around for dinner? And I want to kind of, like, point out that they are people and not a problem, you know, or anything like that. And, uh, yeah, I think the message here is bigger than any else in this episode and it's not just a race thing it is a transgender thing it is anyone that is different to the norm feels appreciated here and this yeah. is me speaking this as a white british westerner who has every privilege in the world uh is speaking from you know from a, a lucky position i feel everyone needs this lesson you know this is yeah. Yeah. and you're you're having dinner with your kids now too that's amazing <laughs> <laughs> Listen, well, our dinner is me basically finishing my dinner and telling them to finish their dinner because they're picking around the cabbage, but there we are. <laughs> I'm not Wharf. I am not Wharf and just, I don't just chuck my children away. <laughs> you killed me. I'm he... dead. I'm sorry. <laughs> you could be more British. You could have a French name but a British accent. Exactly. Cabbage. <laughs> I'm not having a tryst on Casperia Prime and ignoring them for 30 yeah, odd yeah. years. Um... <laughs> Incredible. 
Okay, thank you very much for watching this review. We will be back uh, <laughs> next week with tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. A alarm and get ready for some time travel. Kirk focused episode. Very intrigued to see how that comes about. We will see you soon. Live long, prosper, Tara.